This is the Retire Happy Podcast with John Amarino, teaching you each episode about holistic retirement planning. Well, hello once again, and welcome to the Retire Happy Podcast. Walter Storholt alongside John Amarino, fiduciary financial advisor at Securus Financial. And John, happy 2020. Happy not just new year, but new decade to you. Yeah. 2020, that's crazy, right? Uh, it's pretty wild. I mean, if you really think about it, I feel like 2010 was not long ago. This past decade, I know we say this all the time, every year it flies by faster and faster, but come on. I mean, 2010 like, just happened. I know. It went by really quick. Really did. And I thought, I thought by 2020, we'd be like the Jetsons already. <laughs> You're ready to start right. flying around in, in your cars and yeah. stuff like that? But... Not Another yet. year in the books. Not yet. We still got to master the uh, self-driving car first. Then we'll then we'll tackle flying cars. Exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, did you have a good New Year? Any any fun travels or stick around the house? Anything exciting happened over the? Yeah. Year? Well, um, you know the the last podcast we were just getting ready for Jake's birthday, so uh, we took him to his favorite restaurant, which is Carver's. He loves their prime rib, so he had a prime rib for lunch uh, on his birthday. Then we went to Disneyland, which. Uh, we haven't been to in a few years, but you know, people complain about the inflation rates of Medicare. My goodness, I mean, it's like six hundred dollars just for the three of us to get into Disneyland. So, did that. That was fun. Um, Haley got to see to meet Minnie and Mickey. So she's a big uh, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse fan. And then uh, Christmas Eve, I I host at our house, so I did a, a nice sous vide. Prime rib dinner. We went a little bit of Italian style. Some oh, calamari, hungry, man. Ugh. Yeah. So it was good. That was that's my big bang. That's where I put my culinary skills to the test and leave the moms nice and happy. And and then on Christmas Day, we of course you know have things, have the family in the morning, the kids, you know, Santa, and then we go. We basically are on the road. We drive up about ninety minutes north to her grandma's house for her family. And then we drive back probably about 75, 80 minutes south to my dad's house in Encinitas. So a lot of driving. And then uh, we spent the New Year's camping out in KQ Ranch up in Julian. So it was great. Great. How about you? Fantastic. Yeah, it was a great, uh, great trip. We drove up to Maine. Uh, for my grandparents, uh, you know, they host every other year up there. So we did, it's about a 20 hour drive, uh, 24 hours for my folks. And we sort of met at the halfway point to see some family in other parts of the Northeast and then continued the trip up there. And, but I always love it. It's worth the trip because on Christmas Eve, we have lobster for dinner and, uh, it's, it's a pretty good deal. So it's uh, it was it was good stuff as always this year. Nice big plump lobsters, delicious, constant flow of snacks and treats. You would you and your fasting would not survive. You would you would definitely have to break the fast for a little while. So after three o'clock, <laughs> no, but you'd have to break it out before then. I mean, it's like nine a.m. and they're starting to serve oh. fresh baked cookies and and putting salmon crackers in front of you. And I mean, it's uh, it, it's bad. Yeah. It's bad. One day, one day you <laughs> rationalize, right? That's right. That's right. Break it for the one day. So no, it was fantastic. So glad to be nice. in the new year with you. And uh, we've got a really fun show to kick things off this year. We're going to talk a little bit about 
other financial advisors, and also you a little bit uh, here, John, of course, we're going to talk about what your financial advisor really needs to have in terms of traits. What are some of the most important traits to look for in an advisor? If you're trying to figure out one to work with, perhaps in the near future, uh, we'll give you some ideas and some things to think about in that topic. Uh, We've also got a really good question on today's show that comes to us from Norm. And uh, Norm is a little bit uh, interested and uh, wondering about how much risk is appropriate to take with his investments at his age. So we'll talk a little bit about that and much more all straight ahead on today's show. But John, we often like to do this. We like to see what's happening in the news. So let's do that and uh, find out what's going on around the world. Extra, extra, read all about it. So this happened uh, toward the end of 2019. This little piece of news kind of came across the screen here. I want to make sure we bring it up on a future show, uh, John. Uh, Donald Trump now claims Florida as his state of residence instead of New York. Made headlines for a couple of days when he did that. Presumably this is for tax reasons, just like a lot of retirees might choose to, uh, you know, live half the year or make their residence down in Florida. How often do moves like that end up making sense for your clients as they decide where they're going to live in retirement? Is that a is that a real thing where people are kind of seeking out those lower tax states? Yeah, well, considering within the last five years, I've had clients move out of California now into eight different states with more favorable tax policies. I would say it matters. (laughs) So it is a thing. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I I definitely I see it in the headlines. You know, I see people moving from New York to Florida. I can see it at least for, you know, the weather being right. No more winters. You know, that makes sense. But California, especially San Diego, we have some of the uh, the best weather, you know, in the world. So the biggest reason people are moving out are taxes and, you know, follow that up with cost of living, which has a compounding effect. Right. The, the more it takes, the more you have for cost of living, the higher taxes you're going to pay because you have to take out more money. So, you know, taxes, cost of living. And then, of course, uh, you know, let's throw our political digs at. Let's be honest. California is just. The government's horrible here. Horrible leadership, horrible policies, oppressive regulations that really skyrockets the costs. Um, and there's really been no accountability for where our tax dollars go or why gas, for instance, is almost two dollars more a gallon than our neighboring states. It's really ridiculous. And I, I've seen that. I, I've, I've seen it you know, not only, you know, because I live here, but with retirees who, you know, are are now transitioning into fixed incomes for the rest of their lives, they realize that this is just not sustainable. So, you know, over the last couple of years, I've done several tax management plans for clients considering making that Cal exit, as we call it. And time after time, the analysis is showing that the clients are saving close to $100,000 or more in tax savings alone over a 20-year period. And that's if both federal and California taxes stay the same, which they won't. And, you know, that's really scratching the surface. I mean, $100,000, that for a lot of people, that's adding five to six or even seven years of, of longevity to their money. And that's just really an apples to apples comparison if their expenses were the same. But that's not the case here in California, as, as I already kind of went on that rant about, you know, skyrocketing costs of everything, electricity, gas, water. And, you know, one thing I I always tell clients, Walter, is this, you know, in California, we're at a disadvantage compared to the rest of the nation when it comes to Medicare taxation and Social Security taxation, right? Provisional incomes, Medicare, 
brackets, they're the same for the whole nation, but our cost of living is, is higher here. So we have to have higher income. And, you know, the more money we take out, the more ordinary taxes we have, the more marginal tax traps that we get hit with, um, you know, that retirees get hit with that are associated with Medicare and Social Security. So now my clients, they're moving to another state. Their cost of living goes down from California. There's no more several hundred dollar vehicle registrations per year. No couple hundred dollar a month water bills, couple hundred dollar a month electricity bills, no more four dollar gas prices, Melarus, homeowners associations, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So we have some of the highest tax rates in the nation. You move, you buy a cheaper home and pretty much everything else is cheaper. Your cost of living goes down. You're not taking out as much money. So your money lasts longer in life. And since you're not taking out as much money, you're not taking out as much taxable income. And in turn, you're reducing your exposure to marginal tax traps. Overall, you're reducing your tax liability every year, which leads to the old adage that we talk about in our office, a penny saved is a penny earned. So, you know, it's not a slam dunk, that decision to move, obviously. Um, but you need to consider not only the costs of what you're doing, which I've yet to run a plan where the costs don't favor a move, but you also have to look at the cons of moving, right? And, and that's really, you know, you're the distance from your kids, your grandkids, you know, missing out on your grandkids growing up, you know, your health, you know, for a lot of people, they can't deal with the colder weather, or maybe, maybe you have a doctor that you really like here and the treatment is good here. You know, maybe you need to stay in a metro area near good hospitals. So, and then, of course, the weather. But, uh, you know, I've got a lot of friends that, that have retired and have moved to other states and my clients that have moved to other states. And a lot of them are saying they are absolutely much happier, even with, you know, the weather not being as nice. Uh, so, you know, that's my take. You know, one other thing, don't play games with California. And if you're a New York listener, do not play games with New York when it comes to residency claiming rules. And try to, you know, to pull one over and still live here in California, uh, maybe more than 50% of the time. California is one of the most aggressive states at enforcing state residency for taxation purposes. They love their tax dollars. So if you're going to move, move. So thanks, Walter. You got me all fired up now. Sure did. Um, I, I I didn't know it was going to be that deep of a uh, of a conversation, and that it was that prevalent of a of a situation for you with that many people moving to other states, and it indeed being a driving force for many folks. So, how yeah, yeah, how about I, that? You know, sometimes I have Zoom Mondays where I'm doing Zoom conference calls with clients in Arizona, Nevada, you know, Washington. I like Texas. that Zoom Mondays. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. For those who don't know, Zoom is like a like a Skype or a uh, you know remote interviewing software type situation. So uh, yes, re- remote meetings. Still gets to, you're still face to face, but over a computer screen. Yeah, there, I know there's a few people out there that don't know what Zoom is, so had to be. Yeah, needed needed to clarify. Well, there you go. That's what's happening in the news. And uh, before we turn our attention to talking about those advisor traits, I want to set the tone for the podcast. Uh, although this is kind of late to set the tone, I'll be honest with you, John. But uh, you, you kind of have already done that for us. But I've got a little quote here from Robert G. Allen, who is a financial author. And Robert said, "How many millionaires do you know who have become wealthy?" 
by investing in savings accounts. I rest my case. What's your reaction to a quote like that? Ooh, very true. Very true. I mean, you you hear all the experts, the Jeremy Siegels of the worlds, and they'll tell you the same thing. As a matter of fact, right last month, I was in that uh, conference in New York with the famed economists, Robert Schiller and Roger Ebitson. And uh, there was an interesting comment made about cash. And that was the only thing really guaranteed to lose you money in terms of purchasing power is cash, you know, because the minuscule growth and that growth is taxed at highest marginal rates. It's a loser every time. So, yep, that's a uh, very valid quote. That's a good one. All right. So using that as our guiding light, let's move into the main conversation today, John. And I do want to talk indeed about financial advisors and the traits that they should embody, you know, trustworthiness, likability, problem solving, a good listener, those kinds of words should indeed describe your financial advisor or potential advisor if you're in the process of interviewing some or finding one. And so on today's show, I want to spend some time talking about why it's important, John, for an advisor to embrace those characteristics. That's probably the easiest part. Then the harder part will be tackling the discussion over how can we see or identify some tangible ways to determine that the advisor indeed has those characteristics. Because after all, it's not like we know if we're going to end up working with you, John, we can try and get to know you, hopefully, you know, through things like this podcast and, uh, you know, reading blogs and coming in to meet with you over the course of a couple of times. We can get to know you as much as possible, but it's not like we're, you know, intimately with you and, and married to you, John, and, and know all the intimate details and all that kind of stuff. So we can't rely on a ton of time to develop that relationship and confidence with you. So I want to talk about some ways that we can identify these different things. So let's talk about trust first. How do you decide if someone is trustworthy? Is it as simple as just kind of relying on your gut? You know, yeah, obviously you have to use that what the the gut feeling that uh, the hairs on your neck type of uh, a feeling. But, you know, I always tell people you have to do your due diligence, right? And part of that due diligence is really asking, you know, questions as, as to why the advisor is recommending what they are doing and you know would they invest their their own family or their own money in this um you know you have to ask the hard questions that satisfy your due diligence and and i can't stress that enough because you know this is your life savings and you know make sure that you understand every little thing you're doing don't be afraid to ask the questions i can't stress that enough and you want transparency is the advisor willing to tell you the devil in the details and the costs, right? There is no silver bullet. Every financial vehicle has some type of down, you know, pro and con to it. And I've heard plenty of people tell me their old advisors said, don't worry about the cost. You're making a good return. And in reality, they weren't making a good net of fee return because the exorbitant fees that weren't clearly told or even disclosed to them. So, Again, there is no silver bullet. Make sure you understand the drawbacks. And ultimately, is everything transparent? Is it simplified to where you understand what you're doing? And at the end of the day, are your concerns being solved? And are they really problem solving? Or do you feel like your advisor is just driving a lot of fear, right? You know, I mean, are they driving fear to get a sale or, or are they addressing a logical concern of yours and solving the problem? I think that's really important. That's a good way to look at it. Are they addressing the larger concerns 
or just focusing on the most immediate pain need that you have. That's a really good uh, kind of way to test if there's truly trust in that relationship. I like that. Give us some tangible ideas there. Uh, what about likability? Is that really that important to like your financial advisor? I mean, if you trust them, but maybe you don't really like them, is that is that something that we really need to apply some value to that we enjoy working with you as well? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, on my uh, one of my taglines is integrity, relationships, and performance. And you know, integrity your your advisor must have integrity first. Relationships is the next thing. It's really this is basically our first ninety minutes that we spend with our newer clients or prospects is getting to know them. And of course, you have to like your advisor. And in my case, I have to like you. I absolutely love all of my clients. I, I can say that because if I don't like you, then you know I just say, hey, we're not a good fit. If our personalities are going to clash, I don't want to dread your phone call. You know, the, the likability kind of goes back into the trust, right? If you like that person, you get a good feeling with them. That is part of, you know, a, a small part of that trust pie. So you have to have a strong relationship built with a strong foundation of trust and likability. And, and you have to be comfortable with your advisor because they're going to know intimate details, right? I, I know intimate details about, you know, problems, you know, that money may have within relationships, health problems, um, your biggest fears financially. And really, you know, as your financial coach, I have to be blunt and stern with you to correct what I may see as risky behavior, right? Spending too much, taking on too much risk, treating their adult children like kids and paying or fully still supporting them, even if they're 35 or 40 years old. And my clients know that if I am coming from this financial coach and I'm being blunt or stern, that it's a place of sincere concern and care. You know, and that they know that they're getting this from my heart and I'm not just trying to be mean or trying to hoard all their assets. I'm, I'm trying to make sure that their best interests are taken care of. Yeah, I think that's a really good point to bring up there about the likability. And it does end up probably going hand in hand with trust and some of these other things that we're going to talk about as well. All of these things do kind of fit and wrap around together, which is why it's important for your financial advisor to likely have all of these traits. Let's talk about an area of expertise. I know that there are a lot of advisors who have different specialties, but they all might fall under the umbrella of the more general term financial advisor. How do you find out if somebody's got the right skill set for your particular situation? Right. You, you have to ask questions about who that advisor works with, right? What they do to stay on top of their specialty. So, you know, like me, 95% of my clients are age 55 to 72. They're pre-retirees or, or retirees. The other 5% are either friends of mine or the children of clients. And that's my specialty. That is, I, I look at everything retirement. And what do they do to stay on top of their specialty? You know, are they, take me for instance, I've been just in the last couple months to, you know, multiple tax management courses that are specifically geared towards retirees. And I'll be going out to Las Vegas for one here at the end of the month. and. Does their specialty address your concerns and can they solve your concerns? You know, and your concerns and positions in life determines if you should work with that advisor. So like I tell people, I work strictly with pre-retirees and retirees. All my training and expertise has been geared towards their 
common concerns. And I think when people come into our office, they quickly realize we're different. And how do I know this? Because I constantly hear, I never knew about this. I wish I knew you 10 years ago or our current advisor never addressed this, especially when it comes to taxes. I hear that all the time when I'm teaching our taxes and retirement class. You know, my, my current advisor won't talk about taxes. Why do you address it? And again, you know, the, the comment I've said many times on this show before, it's important that your advisor talks to you and is intimately aware of taxes because everything they are investing you in has a taxable consequence. So, um, you know, in a quick segue about specialty, I, I had a new client kind of a, a go off on a little side story here. And I was recommending that they delay their social security benefits. Now, I've been a member of the National Social Security Advisors Association. I've taught several social security classes over the last seven years. I utilize award-winning social security claiming software, and I have one of the foremost social security and Medicare industry experts on retainer. So during our planning phase, she told me their current advisor, who also touted themselves as a social security expert, told them to claim at age 64, access that income stream. So she kind of challenged me as to why I had that different opinion, which I welcomed. You know, I'm happy she was doing her due diligence. So I went on to explain my point, which included analytical software recommendations, an efficient Roth conversion strategy, reducing their required minimum distributions in the future, spending down tax deferred assets at lowest possible tax rates, and the fact of increasing their social security income that would be increased every year they delayed. And the marginal tax traps that came along with claiming Social Security that would be triggered and how those tax traps would hinder Roth conversions and maximizing survivorship income. Now, did your current advisor look at all those areas when they came up with their analysis? And their response was, wow, you know, and they called themselves an expert. That was basically the nail in the coffin for that advisor, you know, claiming early versus factoring in all of our holistic planning areas and delaying would have cost them over $375,000 over the course of their advisors, and they would have paid more taxes. So, you know, that's that's the difference in specialty or using a, a person that specializes in holistic retirement planning. Wow. That is uh, quite a big difference there. No more needs to be said about that. So let's move to listening ability. I think listening in any industry, not just financial, but uh, gosh, when I'm working with somebody on the house on something, whether it be a plumber or an electrician, or if it's something where you truly need to go back and forth on a design or a plan or something like that, there's nothing worse than having something that's not really listening to what you're trying to say or listening to what's important to you. I would imagine that you rank listening ability as something up really high in uh, in sort of your priority list as an advisor and certainly should be on people's lists uh, when they're looking for an advisor is a very high concern. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, my parents said it best. You have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Listen before you speak. And, uh, you know, if they don't listen to you, they don't truly know you and they can't really solve your problems from a holistic nature, period. So um, that's big. Yeah, absolutely. Last but not least, you want to make sure you try and find a problem finder. Now, not necessarily just a problem solver, but a problem finder. How does a advisor find problems that a client doesn't even know exist? Well, this circles back to their areas of expertise. 
their continued training in those areas. And, and I'm constantly learning and adding this problem, finding and solving planning strategies and software every year. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you that I wasn't nearly the advisor I was, you know, two, three, four, five or six years ago as I am today, because I have sought out so much more advice, especially when it comes to taxes in the last two weeks. So I'm going to kind of use the doctor analogy and relate this to your financial situation. Are you, do you really want to be proactive or reactive? So let's say you're that patient that eats horrible, you drink, you smoke, and you don't work out. And your doctor says, well, yeah, listen, nothing bad has happened to you yet. So just keep on, keep on keeping on, you know, then when you have a heart attack or a stroke because of your lifestyle, you know, the doctor will come and hopefully fix you. You, know, you may not be the same afterwards, but they address the problem then. Versus a doctor who, and I'll use my own personal doctor because he's like this, you know, you constantly monitor your your health and, and that doctor's saying, hey, listen, you, you have some issues here that you need to change these areas. These are proven red flags, right? I've never smoked, but, you know, a doctor obviously would tell their patient, listen, you need to stop smoking. If you don't, you're going to have major issues. And, you know, you do little changes over time that gradually build up your major lifestyle and, and health improvements and really the same parallel for retirement planning, right? Like I mentioned earlier, there's so many people have told me, where were you eight, nine, 10 years ago? Or, you know, why haven't I heard this before? It's because in my own practice, I'm taking that real, that extreme proactive approach to my clients. And I'm, I'm really trying to expand my knowledge. So, I can identify what could potentially be a red flag. And instead of having to make radical changes, which never work, we can take proactive, smaller changes that have a dramatically positive impact over time. Any additional traits that you think would be important to bring up for an advisor to have other than the ones we've mentioned so far? You know, uh, I think uh, the last but not least, and, and this goes towards uh, something we talked about in the past, is the concierge approach. Are you a number or are you a person or, or like I like to call my, my business family to my clients? You know, if my clients have something pressing and they need me, they know how they can get a hold of me and they know they will get a hold of me unless I'm out of the country. And they know that versus take a number, we'll call you when we get back to you. So, you know, that's, that again is, you know, do you want the, a person who, in my honest opinion, is one of the most important people in your life, right? They're helping you navigate your financials to get you throughout retirement. You know, is that person really taking on that role of, of a trusted ally and, and a coach, or are you just another number in the firm's for, portfolio? Well, all this is very helpful, John, and uh, fantastic information as always. So I think that gives us a pretty good uh, overview of some of the traits that your advisor must have and uh, be on the lookout for those things uh, because you want to make sure that you're working with an advisor that you are a good fit with and a good fit for. And those things are going to be found out by exploring likability and trust, checking in with your gut, but comparing that against the area of expertise of the advisor. Are they a good listener and a problem finder and some of those other traits that we talked about as well? Uh, if you want to talk to John a little bit more about what it's like to work with uh, him and the team at Securus Financial, you can certainly do that by going to gosecurus.com. That's gosecurus.com or calling 858-935-6210. 
That's 858-935-6210. And if you check the description of today's show on whatever app you're using to listen to the program, you'll be able to see that information listed there, uh, the phone number and the website to get in touch if you've got any questions and uh, you need to reference that. John's got an office, of course, in San Diego uh, on Trina Street, conveniently off of Interstate 15. They're next to Scripps Ranch High School, so it's convenient to come by, say hello, and have a conversation if you're local. Uh, if you're not local, though, John, hey, no worries. You've got those Zoom meetings, right? So you can uh, meet with somebody from afar yep. if need be. <laughs> Zoom Mondays. Zoom Mondays. You can take part in those and uh, get some great guidance there as well. Well, thanks for filling us in with that great information, John. Now it's time to turn our attention away from all the financial stuff just for a moment as it's getting to know you time. It's getting to know you time. All right, John, fun question for you this time around on the podcast. Um, my question for you, if, you know, we'd kind of talked about how at the beginning of the show, a lot of people are moving to different states for tax purposes. Well, let's say I stepped in right now and uh, I'm the king of the world and I'm going to force you to go live in a different state. You can't live in California anymore. To where would you relocate? I'd probably say Texas. Um, I love, really? yeah, okay. I, I love Nashville, Tennessee, but it's too cold for my wife. So probably Texas, probably like the Dallas area. I've been to that city several times and I really like it, but I won't lie. While the barbecue would be a major upgrade, the Mexican food would not. I, I hear horror stories about Tex-Mex and you can't, I, that's the one thing that any native California, when they move, they just said, you just, there is no substitute for California Mexican food. And it just Ruby, doesn't make sense. You would think Texas would have great Mexican food. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's a whole different evil. Yeah. So I know a couple of people have moved to Texas and they're like, they can't, when they come back to California, it's like the first thing they do is they get right to a Mexican food restaurant here. So, and Rubio's, we have something, you know, Rubio's it's, you know, uh, home of the fish taco. Yeah. I, I would probably actually try to franchise a Rubio's in Texas. I would probably make a killing out there. So, but there yeah, Texas would be good future idea. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, uh, Texas, that you really surprised me there. I didn't. Uh, what were you thinking think on the list? I don't. I thought I was picturing you would pick something like a Colorado or you know something mountainous and good for RVing and yeah. You know. I'm I'm actually more of a lake and river person, but uh, yeah, my my wife definitely could not do the mountains. No way. Oh, too cold. Oh yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I guess there's that too. Being, being Southern California, you got to kind of keep that warmth locked in. So Texas, you could probably go and find that pretty easy and still plenty of places to go explore and that kind of thing in Texas. So you'd be in good shape down there. It did take me by surprise though, a little bit. So neat. I learned something. New about <laughs> I'd have to get the, uh, the Longhorns put on the RV though. There you go. The big, hey, that's the big Cadillac that's Longhorns. Horns. That's a pretty good look. I got to tell you. Well, there you go. That's getting to know a little bit more about John. Now let's get to know more about one of you. It's time for the mailbag. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. So today's question comes to us from Norm in Escondido. And Norm says, how much risk is appropriate to take with my investments now that I'm retired? Well, Norm, that's, that is dependent on a variety of things. Um, you know, and, and the one thing you have to look at it, are you dependent on your IRA or 401k type of, uh, of accounts to draw income from, right? Uh, do you, are you going to have to draw down from your assets or is your income covered? 
how much are you willing to gamble when the market drops? And as we always say, retirement is a different animal. If you need income from your investments and you're aggressive, you really expose yourself to sequence of return risks when the market drops. And if you don't need income and you have big aggressive returns, there's a flip side to that. You're, you're actually exposing yourself to larger required minimum distributions and potentially higher taxes that go with it. So generally speaking, it is much better to reduce your exposure for all those reasons. Plus, you have a shorter time horizon to bounce back. It's a great question. And thank you for sending that one into us, Norm. As always, if you have any questions you'd like featured on the show, submit them to us. We'd be happy to check them out and give you back some feedback here on the show or privately, of course, as well, if you'd prefer. GoSecurist.com, your place to submit those questions. Or you can email John, john at GoSecurist.com, or give a call again at 858-935-6210. That's 858-935-6210. Helpful information on today's podcast, John. Really appreciate it and uh, looking forward to the next edition of the show with you. We'll talk again soon. Take care, Walter, and we'll see you next time. Sounds good. We've got a great episode on the agenda for our next uh, conversation. We're going to be talking about uh, income planning quite a bit on the next show. And we're going to have, a John, a, a little bit different format that people are going to notice. So, uh, you know, we do two episodes a month here on the Retire Happy Podcast. And uh, one episode each month, you're going to kind of notice that it will be similar format to our previous shows. We'll take a listener question. We'll have some newsy notes for you. Uh, we'll typically have kind of a big main topic to discuss. So be on the lookout for those, of course. We're always working new things into that element of the show. But every other episode, we're going to really just dial in to particular planning topics. And John, the idea is we want to make sure we cover really some of the basics, some of the most important parts of retirement planning and financial planning. We're going to drill down into those things so that it makes it really easy for people if they're trying to get a good overview of the proper planning techniques, they can get the the facts and uh, just the facts and get some great information kind of in a, a shorter, snappier pieces and tidbits. So that'll be fun and something we're introducing as we go through 2020. So we'll do our first episode like that next time around, right back here on the Retire Happy Podcast. Until then, for John Amarino, I'm Walter Storholt. We'll talk to you again soon. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM and Securus Financial are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. The opinions expressed by John Amarino and guests on this radio show are their own and are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. Any strategies mentioned may not be suitable for everyone. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Before acting on any information mentioned, please consult with a qualified tax or investment advisor to determine if it is suitable for your specific situation. This program is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to subject covered.